0: And welcome back to Poke the Bear episode six. I'm Evan Marinofsky alongside host Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal. Connor, how are we doing?
1: I'm doing swell, Evan. How are you doing?
0: Doing great, doing great. Ever since we started this podcast, feels like it's been bad luck for
1: the Celtics. I know, who, dude. They won that
0: game seven when we first started this, but ever since it's been, ooh, not too great.
1: It's because I didn't get the friggin' St. Louis style pizza yet, dude. I have to, like, I'm going to have to drive down there to, to grab it.
0: I'm not paying I'm, again.
1: I'm not paying like ninety bucks for like a friggin' Celeste pizza to get sent through the mail.
0: Well, that's the thing, and it's not really worth it to. Maybe you could expense it. Expense report. This podcast will have a seven dollar expense report, uh, <laughs> and that's what the pizza's for. And we can we can just order the pizza with the expense. Maybe that. Uh, maybe that that'll could, be. It. I
1: mean, if it extends the Celtics season, then it'd be I think well worth it. So.
0: Yes, then it would be worth it. Then it, it bought, you'd be a hero in Boston's eyes. Uh, that seven dollars would be worth it. What's funny is Mark Alred tweeted uh, about our deep dish pizza conversation. He said uh, it's like a cheese casserole, and I said no, it's it's great pizza. Deep dish pizza is great pizza in my opinion. Not the best, but it's not bad.
1: I mean, I happen to agree with Mark here, and I think I think he's right in that it's uh, not even a pizza, dude. It's like again, it's like a cheesy casserole that. You know, it's never a good thing when like there's a lot of really shitty food out there that, like, an hour after you eat it, you feel like death. You literally don't All even leave. Food. Yeah, you don't. You literally don't even leave like your stall at like Uno's without feeling like death. Like after you eat a deep dish pizza from a place like that, it like, that's how, so it, it, good. It's it not worth it, man. Good. It's not worth the cost. Not worth the it price you good. pay, Evan.
0: The price you pay obviously comes after you uh, hand yes. in the check, as everyone knows. But the t- the Fat tomatoes. Oh, it's really good. I honestly, I'm home this weekend. I may have to stop at Uno's just to spite you uh, and tweet it and go, haha, I'm eating a deep dish pizza. But
1: you would not be the winner there. I would laugh and be like, (laughs) all right, well,
0: (laughs) I would be the winner. It tastes great. Um, But, anyways, 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 Uh, there's actually a lot of Bruins, or not a lot, but a good amount of some little Bruins rumors out there. Elliot Freeman has 31 thoughts. Uh, Surprised everyone with uh, the Bruins kicking the tires, or checking in on, that's the word he used, checking phrase, checking in on, Oliver Ekman Larson of the Coyotes. Uh, He just signed an eight-year, $8.25 million a year uh, contract out in the desert. Now he can't say the desert anymore because he's a Vegas team. So Arizona, Mm -hmm. captain, defenseman there, left shot defenseman. I believe he's in his late 20s.
1: 29. 29. Same Same age as one Tory Krug. As one Tory Krug, exactly. So uh,
0: there's a lot to take away from this. Uh, the Bruins checking in on him. What did you think of it when you first heard?
1: Uh, definitely kind of surprised in terms of uh, him being a target the Bruins would be looking at. Now, granted, if Tory Krug walks, I think you can't go into next year. And obviously the the big offseason priority for this team is getting you know a legitimate top six score. But if... Tory Krug walks, you need to find uh, another just reliable guy to, to put in next to Brennan Because if you're, you know, still hoping you're gonna run it back next year and still have a, a really loaded team that can make a deep run, you can't go into next year with Saboral or Vakanainen or John Moore as your you know, your top four guy, like playing nineteen, you know, twenty one minutes a night. Um, so they have to they have to do something there. So on paper, you know, you look at the baseline numbers for a guy like Ekman Lassen and, you know, he fits in terms of, you know, he could be a legitimate top parent guy next to McAvoy. He could fit in great next to Brennan Kahlo. He's a established, legitimate guy who does a little bit of everything. He does power play. He does PK. Um, he's, he's a bigger option than, you know, Krug. I think he's like 6'2", I believe. Um, but you look beyond kind of the, the numbers of, you know, him being an established, Guy who would help your team like he's not like a liability, but you factor in i mean that contract man is is brutal i'm rough you you look at you know what he would cost for this team he would be a million dollars more than your highest play, highest paid player right now and and David Krejci. and you kind of look at what he brings and, you know, he's a little bit different than Krug, but their offensive numbers are pretty similar. Um, you look at what the Bruins are trying to, you know, get out of this next season where they're getting more offense, five on five offense from their blue line. Him and Krug are pretty similar in that regard. It's not like, you know, Ekman Lawson's this guy who's generating all of his points during even strength time or anything like that. Um, so, you know, would you rather let Krug walk and trade for a guy like Ekman Lawson, who's going to cost you, Probably more than what Krug would you'd have to pay Krug if he was coming back here. Like, I don't think Krug, if he came back here on a, a discount, is costing eight and a half, 8.25 million against the cap. So, I think if you're the Bruins, you have to weigh that of, you know, is that cost worth bringing a guy like Ekman Lassen when, you know, there's potentially a whole bunch of other defensemen out there on the trade market that you could probably get that one probably won't cost as much, both in terms of, you know, the assets you give up, but also just in terms of that that contract say 8.25 million for until 2027 I think I mean that's that's a lot of risk for a guy who's 29 too it's not like he's 25 or something and he's in his prime or maybe he has his bet he is ahead 29 years old for a guy like that there's a lot of risk involved
0: exactly he's in his prime now you're not going to get a lot of that prime uh with what if you did take on that contract I also just think that money should be spent elsewhere like that money, 8.25 should not be – like part of why you're not bringing Tory Krug back, probably not, is because you don't want to put all your eggs in that one basket. You know, put it elsewhere. And we've said this before, like, you know, throw $3 million at the second left wing D slot or the first left wing D slot if, you, if you'd like. You know, throw five up at, up at uh, you know, top six left winger. Like do that in a trade. Not We'll get in the free agency market in a little bit. But the trade market's hot. Like, you know, there's a trade the other day, Eric Stahl for Marcus Johansson, which we'll get to in a little bit because Boston does tie into that, not just through Johansson, but through Stahl. Um, But to me, it just would not make sense. And you'd also have to give up a ton. I mean, this is like, the you know, out in Arizona, Ekman Larson is their captain. He's the guy they're trying to build around. I mean, granted, you have a lot of, you know, young talent as well who's a little bit younger than him. Um, Mm. But they look at him in a high regard, and he is – I'd probably, would he be a top 15 defenseman in the league still?
1: I wouldn't say so. Maybe a few years ago when, you know, he was generating more offense. And, you know, there was two years where he was, I think he had over 20 goals. Like he was very involved in that offense and doing a little bit of everything. I think maybe the last two years, especially he's, his numbers have kind of dipped a little bit, which is concerning. There's also which... been,
0: those years there was no one on offense for the, the Coyotes. Oh yeah. Like that team maybe. couldn't score to save their own life.
1: Right. Which is also a thing you look at Ekman Lawson now and, there's risk involved with, you don't really know what you're going to get from a 29 year old guy, but you can make the argument, you know, he gets out of the desert over there. Cause I mean, Holy hell, man, people go to Arizona and like their offense just dries up. I mean, you look yeah. at you know, Taylor Hall didn't like the world on fire when he was down there. Phil Kessel didn't do much like Kate, uh, Clayton Keller's is a, a very talented young playmaker and he's not really, you know, standing out in terms of, you know, being a consistent kind of off- offensive presence for them. So, you know, you take him out of Rick Target's system and you know, the Arizona system and maybe he thrives here with a little bit more freedom to play, but that's still a lot of risk for a guy like him who again, I think the only way that a trade like that is feasible for the Bruins is if you get Arizona to eat some of that salary. You know, maybe they take off a little bit and you pay seven million a year for him or, you know, six point six and a half or something, you know, each year, but still I feel like Arizona at this point just wants to one, you know, recoup draft capital and two, just cut payroll. I mean, you look at the way that, you know, c- clown operation is run down there in Arizona. They don't have a, a first round pick next year or a second round pick this year because they were caught with the, uh, they're disciplined by the NHL for those, uh the testing protocols. They were breaking a
0: violation, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, and then I think it just came mm-hmm. out yesterday. I think maybe it was, uh, maybe it was Katie Strang. I think from the athletic had a thing about, uh, Arizona, like they haven't paid their, like the company that runs their, um, their arena since like June. Like they, their, their balance was due in June and they haven't friggin' paid it off yet. So it's one thing if like you're, you're rebuilding and you, you have a new GM coming in, which is the case for them and all right, we move Ekman Lassen and try to restart. But also I think they just need it they just want to free up cash. So are exactly. they going to be, are they going to be, you know, willing to, Eat, they got to you know,
0: they got to pay the arena
1: yeah exactly yeah it's kind of it's <laughs> tough to uh, field a an nhl team when you don't have a friggin arena especially in uh, the phoenix metropolitan area so i don't really know, even know how you know willing a team like arizona would be to eat up some of that salary just to get this trade over because you know maybe you take on that full cap, that full salary for ekman lassen and the, the value the return you have to give up isn't as great cuz they just want to dump that money but still i don't think the Bruins want to be stuck with a guy costing eight point two five million against the cap, especially when we don't even know when the salary cap's gonna jump up. Like it's eight it's eighty one and a half now it's staying that way. But it's not gonna jump up again until revenue is back to what it was earlier this year when it was when the league was rolling. They thought they were gonna get a new T V deal. Seattle was coming in, money was like rolling in. You know, there's no guarantee that that revenue's gonna be anywhere close to that for another year, two years. Like I don't think we're gonna get full people in stadiums until maybe next fall, next winter. Like, and that's just a complete well, guess. The, my stuff, God.
0: the stuff from the CDC right now is that the vaccine probably won't be out to every American until late 2021. Yeah. That is going to push revenue so far back. Like this salary cap is not going to be like this for next year and the year after it could be a couple more yes. years than we expected in the beginning. Cause they said a couple of years, now it feels like it could be four or five potentially. Maybe it'll rebound by then. Hopefully, or the new normal. I hate that word, but but
1: <laughs> but you have to be you have to be cognizant about it. Like it's
0: exactly, not exactly exactly. And uh, taking on a deal like this for a guy like that is just to me not worth your time. Um, they are in need of a of of defenseman, but you don't need to go all in like this. You can go out and get. We've said before, Brendan Dillon. You can trade for you know. Uh, a, a top four dif- a left shot defenseman that's much cheaper and much more worth the value. But so this is where this is where this part comes in. Uh, Kevin Allen, formerly of USA Today, I tried to read the blog, but he, the, the link he posted didn't work. So I just saw it and was like, oh, people are retweeting it, whatever. He'd, he'd retweet the column or he'd, he'd, he'd retweet the link if it was that important. But you mentioned before we came on, uh, talked about Jake DeBrusque's trade value. I have this weird fear and I know you do too, that Jake Debrosk could get traded for crap per se.
1: Yeah, I, I mean it if you're looking at the Bruins and the assets you can give up to get uh you know a legitimate, you know, a top four defenseman that is a guy that makes a lot of sense. Now granted he's obviously kind of a frustrating player and I think anytime you tweet about Jake DeBrus trade value, you get a good, you know, 60-40 split where 40% people are like, ah, screw it, like, he's doing consistent. It's like, I think you only trade DeBrusque if you're getting a legitimate, you know, cost-controlled, dependable guy back because um, he's got all the makings of a dude who in a year or two just is consistently a 25-plus goal scorer, 60 points. You don't trade a guy like that unless uh, you really are, you know, thinking that he's not going to break through in that regard here, or he's asking for too much as an RFA and you just feel like it's not worth the, the price. But um, there's a lot of risk involved though, in terms of getting good value, if you are committed to trading him, um, because, you know, Kevin Allen's story mentioned that Carolina was interested in the uh, brusque, which makes a lot of sense. Go. Yeah. Carolina's got a lot of, you know, gifted uh, defensemen. They generate a lot of their offense. We saw in that series from doing a lot of low to high and offense from the blue line. But I don't really know who you're going to get from the get for DeBrusque from Carolina. That's going to make, I think a lot of people happy. Like you're not getting, you know, Jacob Slavin, obviously like he's, he's off limits, Brett Presche, who, you know, when he's on is a, a fantastic defensive defenseman. I don't think you're getting, getting him maybe like Brady Shea, who's a bigger guy, but still, I mean, that's, maybe you could work that out. Like you know, you've mentioned people have mentioned Jake Godner as a guy like, holy shit. I don't want, yeah, I don't, I don't want, especially if you're giving up a guy like the brusque for him. Like if you want to give up maybe other assets as him as being like just a, a playmaking option further down the lineup, maybe I, I don't think Jake Gardner would, would fit in well here yeah, in terms of, I mean, you've got, yeah, you've got, I mean, it'd be great for us. Cause like when they yes. announced the Bruins trade, for Drake Gardner, it's going to, we'll have free reign over uh, Twitter for the next couple of days. But um, you look at what value you could get from a guy like the Brusque and, you know, you could mention, I think Flutterson Sauer, the athletic mentioned like Noah Hannafin, who's a guy who's cost controlled, who's a bigger defenseman, you know, that could make sense. Uh, you know, Donnell Nurse is a, a guy who could be available for the right price up in Edmonton. He's a bigger defenseman who's you know 24, 25. Um, if you can finagle a trade like that, maybe it works. But you also need to make sure you're getting a top six defense, uh, top six forward back to supplement that scoring. Because again, Dabrowski, maybe he's inconsistent, but still, I think you're still better when you have him in that lineup, especially if you're getting another top six guy to complement that offense. Because you need to get that. It's again, there's a lot of different fives the Bruins have to t- uh, put out this off season, but you need to get that five and five offense rolling.
0: You do. And I think tra- if you did trade a guy like DeBrusque, you need to know you're getting the better player in return. Yeah. You need to know that your team is getting much better because of this player you're getting back. It can't be a Jake Gardner. It can't be someone who's debatably better or could be better down the line. Like, the the reason you would trade DeBrusque is because he's inconsistent and you want someone who's more consistent and more proven. A Noah Hannafin, I'm, I think that's okay. I'd be all right with that move. Yeah. Uh, still not amazing. You know, if you can get someone who's more legit, go for it. But if it's someone who's on the fritz, if it's a young, even if especially a younger guy who's on that borderline, like Jake DeBrusque is, could turn out to be something, maybe not. Then it's like, what's the point of that? And that also comes down to the organization t- deciding, and Cam Neely talked about this, whether or not they want to go, they're still cup contenders, right? Like, if you know, them taking honest evaluations, you know, being brutally honest, as Cam Neely said, like, you need to figure that out. You need to see if you believe you're a cup contender, because if you do and you want to go at it again, maybe trading a guy like DeBrusque for a more proven 30-year-old forward or defenseman, Mm -hmm. sure, fine. Um, the other one is Carlo. Carlo's name has been kind of tossed around a lot. That I think you you can't just flaunt him around. You can't just dangle Carlo and say, "Oh, let's see if we can get a little bit better." You got to be sure if you trade a guy like Brandon Carlo, that player you're getting a return is much better because Carlo is valuable, man.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, especially when you look at the again the construction of this decor, right? You don't know if Zidane Chara is going to come back, and if he does come back, he's not the guy he's not going to be in the role year used to seeing him in like this upcoming year could be a year that Brian Collar really steps forward as the shutdown guy especially if depending on who he's skating with like he's not going to be as uh you know sheltered as an offensive guy playing with krug if he's more of a just a guy who's getting more d zone draws and you know more you know shifts spent you know defending boston's own zone it could really up his value in terms of being a lockdown guy and he's got all, all the makings of it like his um, play during the postseason may not have been, uh, you know, uh, impressive. I mean, you could bring the case he was one of the more disappointing guys during the postseason for them, especially considering how good he was during last year's run. Um, But still, that's the guy that you don't trade unless you're getting a legitimate, proven top six guy back. So, uh, you you know, there's guys like Nikolai Ehlers, who's a winger in, in Winnipeg. That's a team that, Needs anyone? If you gave them like like John Moore, they'd probably be fucking pumped because they don't Even have Patrick Linea. They, I mean, they they need you know D help really really bad, and the way that team's built. Um, but like Eliz is the guy, uh, Brock Besser, who seems like is always dangled out there because uh, Jim Benning has signed so many god awful contracts with that Vancouver team, which must drive Absolutely. must drive Canucks fans crazy because that core they have there is so friggin good. And they might so not, good. like the window might be like screwed over just because of how much bad money they have tied up. Um, so if you're getting a guy like that, especially Besser, who it's funny, I don't think he's known as a good power play uh, guy, like even for a guy who's got a shot like him, but a, like a ton of his offense comes off a of five on five and even strength, which is exactly what the Bruins need. Like you don't need to add another, uh, you know, power play ace to this team. They already got, a lot of good women, especially in terms of guys up front, you know, you have to figure out how a guy like Grizzly or McAvoy does filling in for Krug, but you don't need another guy down low burying shots for this team. But if you have a guy who can consistently score five on five, like Besser is, then that, that, that's a trade you look at and figure out, well, if it solves one area, maybe it's worth it. But again, you don't trade a guy like Kala without getting a, a legit return back because, yeah, again, it makes even more problems for you on the, on, the, on the blue line in terms of figuring out where these guys fit.
0: So we'll get deeper into Besser and uh, free agents who might be a little bit too power play heavy in a second. First, uh, Connor, why don't you tell the listeners about BetUS?
1: Yep. So, uh, yeah, listen up, sports bettors. This is Connor Ryan here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football, basketball, and baseball are all back. That means it's time to get down your bets. I only endorse one sports book, and that's BetUS.com. Why do you ask? It's because BetUS is the pioneer in online betting with more than 25 years in the business. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sportsbook that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, entertainment, and all kinds of crazy prop bets and futures. Nobody in the industry gives you bigger bonuses than BetUS. So go to BetUS.com now and fill out your information. It only takes a minute. When you get to the how did you hear about us box, type in Boston Sports Journal and you can get up to 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. No one beats that. I bet at BetUS and so should you. Join BetUS today and don't forget, type in Boston Sports Journal to get up to 150% bonus on your first deposit. That's BetUS.com.
0: So speaking of betting, uh, these free agents, this free agent class, we were talking a little before the show that this free agent class – has good names. You have Petrangelo, you have Krug, you have Taylor Hall, you have Braden Holpe, but none really you'll want to spend your money on. If you're, especially if you're the Bruins. Um, there's one name that is uh, that could be attractive to many. Mike Hoffman. Uh, wouldn't want to mess with the guy's wife, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but attractive to many is speedy, skilled winger from Florida. But... We were both saying before that he's not your guy. You no. don't want Mike Hoffman.
1: No. Uh, again, you look at the baseline numbers for him, and, yeah, I mean, he's got an elite shot. I mean, you, you, there's no denying that. And he's a guy who I think in the last six years has averaged, I think, 28 goals, had 36 goals last year in his first season with Florida. So you look at the production he brings and, and what he, you know, what his role is, and, you know, you see how he would fit into the Bruins lineup as a top six guy who just finishes like, Oh, this is great. Like, you know, that's a, that'd be a slam dunk signing for the Bruins. But I think you look at one, how much money he's going to cost because again, a lot of teams look at that as a guy who could be a regular 30 goal scorer. You're going to have to pay him, you know, five and a half six million half, 6 million a year. He's going to turn 31 years old uh, in November. And you look at where a lot of his value comes from too. It's, uh, he gets a lot of those you know chances on the power play, which again, as we said i don 't think you you need to sign like a, a guy who's gonna give you a power play another you know major weapon up front. you already got a bunch of weapons up front right you don't have to get these guys yeah, they who are need gonna, more yeah it's like how okay, you go from uh the the second ranked power play to the first ranked power play like your, your five and five offense is still barren, so how is it gonna help you you can't win playoff games just by relying on your power play as we saw in literally the last two seasons right yeah um but I think you look at just what Hoffman brings and you look at his metrics, especially defensively. You, like, even a guy like him who is scoring 25 goals a season, he brings you so little on the other side of the ice that the numbers actually point that he's actually a detriment to a team in terms of just how bad he is defensively and how much teams can exploit that. So, when you have a guy like him who's, again, he's not a flash on the pan guy, a guy who's consistent as a 25 30 goal scorer and is hurting teams based on you know, his other metrics, especially if, if you put him with the Bruins, he's not going to get probably power play one time, or at least he's not going to bump out Pasternak or Marchand, you know, or Bergeron, any of those guys down low, obviously. I don't see where the fit is for the Bruins unless it's a, you know, it'd be just a luxury that you don't really need, especially when it's not really going to solve an issue that this Bruins team that needs five and five offense and also – prides itself on being responsible defensively. I don't see how Hoffman's the guy that you shell out five and a half, six million dollars for.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And they haven't even been linked to him. So he's just there. He's an attractive piece. Some team will bite the bullet on him and and think he's, you know, they're they're going to be their first line scorer and they're going to be surprised when he isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's going to be interesting what they do with this free agent class. It feels though this offseason is going to be a big trade heavy one. Uh, and we saw that on thursday that happened the eric stall trade happened thursday mm-hmm. the days don't matter anymore They they're not it all
1: blends together now
0: it's all the same stuff uh but eric Stahl went to the Minnesota, went to the buffalo Sabers in exchange for old friend marcus johansson jojo everyone called him mojo but he was actually just jojo and that's what he made us know that it was jojo not mojo uh but he goes back to the wild uh in the deal a lot of people said buffalo wins this uh pretty easily getting Eric Stahl, uh, you know, a a veteran center. Uh, One of the things Friedman mentioned in the 31 Thoughts was that the Bruins have kicked the tires on Eric Stahl in the past two seasons. I would guess it would be the 18-19 season when they ended up acquiring Coyle. Wouldn't have been surprised to see the the Bruins go for Stahl first. Uh, But nevertheless, it would have been interesting, a a world in which Eric Stahl was on the Bruins. If this was 2008, that'd be a huge thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, even, you know, credit to Eric Stahl, who's had an interesting career, right, where he's a franchise staff, Carolina, kind of peters out there a little bit. But then he signs that that deal with Minnesota a few years back. And by that point, you're like, all right, you know, he's going to be a middle six guy or a guy who's on the decline. And he really puts together a couple of really great years for them for a really affordable contract. Like, there's a lot of reasons why I think people are really uh, favoring the Sabres in this trade. But not only do you look at the fact that Eric Stahl is still a pretty productive player, um, but also Buffalo saves money on that contract. Like, Eric Stahl is really not costing you that much money. Um, so yeah, I mean, you look at where Elliot Freeman talked about, you know, Stahl being linked to the Bruins, it all comes to the, back to the fact that Stahl was surprised he got traded in the first place to Buffalo because they mentioned that I think he's building like his retirement home in Minnesota. Like, he wasn't expecting, uh, to get moved, especially unfortunately to a team like Buffalo, which, even with, you know, adding Ugh. him to the mix, that team's still <coughs> still, still in some trouble. Um, But you look at the Bruins, right? And even if it was maybe for this this season, they're looking at Eric Stahl. Because, you know, you get Coyle last year. If you, bump, you kick the tires on Stahl again this year, he'd be the perfect fit as being a guy who – he's naturally a center but can also play right wing. You put him next to David Krejci, all of a sudden you're rolling again, right? So, um tough hit for the Bruins and I I guess a lot of other contenders who seem like they really valued a guy like Stahl, who obviously production wise is great, but also as a veteran, bigger body, especially a guy who's a proven winner, right. One with the, with Carolina before, Um, you know, it's a a tough hit for the Bruins in terms of getting one of those guys who very well could have put you over the top. Like he's not a, a, you know, a mock stone or a, or one of these other guys, who when you would get a trade like that, you're like, "Oh, all right, they're going all in." But Stalls a very, very good pickup, and you know it's unfortunate the Bruins weren't able to get a guy like him because he would have, I think, definitely made a difference.
0: And also, it looked like it didn't really wouldn't have taken a lot to get him. Uh, yes, and and that's that's saying something. I also think it's kind of funny Sweeney was probably like, "Oh, we're going to fleece the Wild again." Yeah, gonna, we'll send we'll send you Jacob Zaboral, We'll send you, uh, you know. Uh, We'll send you Zach Senechel. We'll send you two first round picks for Eric Stahl. Wild's like, oh my God, yes.
1: I mean, you, you'd think that they'd learn after the disastrous run with Paul Fenton. But I think I, I saw someone tweet out that poor Bill Guerin like saw that, uh, saw this trade offer from Buffalo. And it was in like the, the DMs of like the old Minnesota Wild's Twitter account from Paul Fenton. And he just sent it out anyway. So, cause I mean, that that trade still looks pretty bad in terms of, return. I, I, Marcus Johansson's a good player, but if Minnesota, who's, you know, barren in terms of established centers, wants him to be their center, then you're going to run into some problems.
0: And they're, they're moving on from Miko Koi, who I read today. Yeah. So you also have that. So you're going to have Nick Bukestad, who they just acquired. And then I may be forgetting someone. I mean, it's the wild. They're pretty forgettable. Uh, yeah. And it's sad by the way that they're forgettable. Minnesota's a huge, it's the number one hockey state in the country. Yeah. Um. And, the Wild in, in my lifetime, your lifetime too, the only time they were ever really relevant was when they signed uh, Ryan Suter and Zach Parise in the same offseason, and that yeah. sort of just went to hell. Yes. So
1: uh, It's crazy how these teams who sign these guys in agency a lot of times they don't end up working out. is Mike Hoffman's about to leave Florida, who uh, I think 11 seconds after they announced that Bobrovsky was going there, everyone was like, well, that's a shitty deal. Oh, so,
0: everyone said it. And that deal sucked from the minute... His pen hit the paper. It yeah. is incredible how bad that, like, everyone was like, no, that's going to suck. And what's crazy is people were like, maybe it'll suck, like, two years in. No, it sucked, no. like, this year. It's, like, the first
1: year. Also, like, people forget that Florida legitimately drafted, spent Knight the BC goalie in the first round. Like, the best goalie prospect. Like, what the, What are you guys doing? I know goalie prospects take a while to develop. But still. Shit, man. Like, oh. And that's the thing.
0: You have these... The, these teams, and, and look, the Bruins have had their their fair share of it. We've seen it. I mean, if they're going to go try to trade for a guy like Brock Besser, Brock is someone they could have drafted three straight times. You know, we see Barzal in the conference final look great. Damn, it'd look good in black and gold. But uh, nonetheless, this offseason uh, is going to be very interesting. Connor, over at BSJ, you mentioned you were doing a uh, – or actually, no, you didn't mention it. That was before the show. Uh, what are you working on? But inform the listeners what you uh, are working on right now; they can look forward to.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, working on breaking down, especially a lot of these free agents that we talked about. So this weekend I'll have something on, you know, Hoffman and a few of these other free agents that I think there should be a good amount of buyer beware from the you know perspective of the Bruins in terms of getting some of these guys who, well, maybe their baseline numbers might be flashy. I don't think they really fit in with one what the cost would be, and two what the fit would be for the Bruins and what they're looking to get out of some of these guys. So we're breaking down that, uh, you know, we're going to start looking at the draft eventually, which is coming up pretty quick too. Um, and then I think, you know, Ekman Larson is just the, the first of, you know, I think we're going to see many trade rumors and, you know, guys mentioned as being dangled out there by teams, because I think the trade market's going to be the number one outlet for a lot of these teams to improve or sell off assets. I don't think the free agent market's going to be nearly as robust as you usually see it being. Um, especially with this flat cap era. So have a whole bunch of those breakdowns kind of passing through a few of these targets and seeing who the Bruins might be best suited to acquire. Because again, they got to make some moves, but there's a whole bunch of different fires for them to put out.
0: Yeah. The Bruins need Alex Petrangelo. He's a proven winner recently. Be you. They, they need, <laughs> need Alex Petrangelo. Um, I like, on the, on
1: the, right side. the The one dude who like, I'm intrigued by, it, but also now it would make like those dudes also freak out as like Nikita Zadorov on Colorado. Who's an RFA. Who's like six, six and that dude hits everything, which I think he actually would be a good fit here. But you know, if they traded for him, like it, people would be losing this shit the entire time. Like big Russian dude, just cracking guys. Oh, but so we'll see. Dirty, Bruin. A a lot dirty of, Bruin. Yes, of course. Russian Bruin. Though. They, don't, they don't usually, they don't like the Russians that much.
0: They don't. There's not been Russian here in forever, I feel like. Maybe I'm missing Kukla, someone. Koklachev? Uh, yeah, Alexander Koklachev. They they they're
1: going to need Pavel Shen to break through. That's right, Pavel
0: Shen. I remember at development camp uh, either last year or the year before, it was the it was a, a girl there with a sign that said, the Pavel Shen fan club. I was like, wow. I
1: appreciate the they dedication. Gonna...
0: I do appreciate that. That is that is some diehard fan. The one Russian hockey right fan there. who
1: covers the Bruins because the Bruins don't like <laughs> Russian players.
0: Exactly, but anyways, uh, this has been Poked Bear Episode Six. You can look forward to that over at BSJ. I'm Evan Marinovsky. That's Connor Ryan. Have a great rest of your day.